G'day. Welcome to Radio Notes, where those in music talk life and those in life chat music and more. I'm John Merch, producer and host, and this is a test of the feed. It's been a little while. I've been a bit focused for the last five years on a North American radio input that I've been doing of new releases, as well as a lot of them Australian releases, and weaving into that the chats that we have here as well. So today, a chat from 2011. Valley Between Love was an album released by Katie Quick, and I had the Australian first interview regarding that live from the States through the airwaves, as well as tunes spun from that as well. I want to share it with you today. It's a really great chat. And Katie's music, particularly this album, Valley Between Love, has stood the test of time and is an extremely strong release. And I want to share that chat with you now. Taking off her debut album, her name is Katie Quick. She comes out of Chicago, now based herself in Nashville. And she's trying to get the country thing on the road. It's a big g'day to Katie Quick. Katie, thanks very much for joining us live this evening. Not a problem. How are you doing? We're doing fine. You're back in Chicago. I am back here for the, for Christmas and New Year's and enjoying the freezing cold temperatures. What was the catalyst? Was it that irate and a questionable female principal of a number of years ago that uh, set you on your way to uh, turn you back on teaching? You know what it was? I had always dreamed about doing music and, and was t- you know trying to talk to my students about following their dreams and, you know, you really can do anything that you put your mind to. And here I was, you know, having these thoughts of, of doing my music, yet I wasn't acting upon them. And then I had a principal at the end of my last year as she was finding out that I used music. That you were using music as part of the teaching class? Yeah, she, she wanted me to give it up and she said that it's, you know, this is not going to be something that's ever going to work out for you, so you should just focus on teaching. You know, it was right then and there that I thought this is a really teachable moment and I could use this, you know, as far as to show the kids look, you can do anything that you want to do. You should not let anyone tell you that what you want to do is impossible. And I think it was probably the best lesson I could have given the kids to actually go out and do what I wanted to do. We're talking about Chicago here. Um, uh, to quote some figures, 15.6 in 100,000 was the crime rate of homicides back in 2007. Aggravated assaults, uh, 624.4 in every 100,000. It's not the nicest of areas, some might think. How did you get the best out of the kids? Well, you know, in fact, I was in one of the worst neighborhoods in Chicago, and actually this year, all of the crime pretty much took place in the neighborhood that I taught. And that was the trick. You know, it was how can I relate to these kids? Because I did not grow up in that neighborhood. I mean, I just grew up three, you know, about three miles away. However, you know, we were com- coming from completely different backgrounds. And I found that music was the one thing that I could use to relate to them on their level. Just talking about, uh, you know, something that you strive for. We all have our own dreams and we all have things that we want to achieve in our life. And when they saw that I was still working towards something that I wanted and, I, you know, I wasn't right there yet, I was still within reach talking to them, really was able to help me get on their level. So it, it worked out really well. And my classroom was a safe haven for the kids. And there was, there was never any issue of, you know, violence in my classroom. Yes, there might have been some incidences in the hallway and in other classrooms, but, you know, it was just a matter of they felt really at ease and safe where I was. So, you know, even even with that, the attendance in my classroom went up and parents were saying, you know, my kids actually want to go to school this year, which was really unusual for that neighborhood and that demographic of kids. 
So it was a place that they wanted to be. And we're saying this is all through music as well. Did you get to relate on the same level in the end? Is that what you're saying, Katie, is that you could actually sit in that classroom and say, look, at the end of the day, I'm flesh, you're flesh, here's a guitar, you've got a guitar, let's jam? Well, you know, it was more so I used my music as an incentive, Mm -hmm. you know, to get the kids to do their homework. You know, the kids wouldn't even, wouldn't study for a test. They wouldn't do their homework. They would barely come to school in the beginning. You know, and I was having a lot of issues with classroom management. And I just saw this problem across the board in this neighborhood and in this school and in a lot of schools like it. And so, you know, they thought, wow, my teacher's in a band. This is really cool. And so I used that and uh, it, it really worked out. And by every week would go by and the kids would come to school more and they would, you know, do their homework more and they were doing better on tests and things like that. And it just, it worked out. And so, you know, in the meantime, I'm talking about, you know, how much I want to do my music and and they are just loving it. You had mum, dad supporting you on this, maybe since you're in your teenage years? Absolutely. They were very supportive. Uh, You know, of course, they were worried, you know, when I I up and left my teaching job and my steady salary and uh, health insurance. But, you know, of course, they were very supportive and they have been since day one, and you know, I was very adamant on the fact that I wanted to do this and that I needed to leave my teaching job, and for good reasons. And so, uh, you know, maybe it was my stubborn nature, but they, they believed me, they backed me up, and they still do to this day. So they're very excited about every step forward that, that happens. Let's talk about being a songwriter. We're currently speaking with Katie Quick. She's in her hometown of Chicago at the moment. She's making it big in the country music scene. A number of accolades and awards. She's been featured on NBC TV and heaps more. But tonight... This morning, her time, we're talking about the music and being a songwriter, the experiences that you've had and the stories you want to share. You know, I love being a songwriter. For me, it's every time I meet someone new or I have an experience that touches me in a way that I, I can't quite, you know, put into words, I feel very fortunate to have my music that I can go to, you know, sit down with my guitar. I recently taught myself the piano again, so to be able to have another instrument that also allows me to express myself. And I just feel very fortunate. And, you know, there are a lot of songs about just a few topics. So I think the, the trick is, you know, if you're writing a love song or you're writing, you know, a breakup song, is how do you say that in a way that no one else has said it before? Because I think that's the trick. You have millions of people that try to write songs, and you have a lot of songs about the same thing. But, you know, right there you're just trying to find your niche. You know, how can you say something just a little bit different? So that's the challenge of it. When it comes to the issue of heartbreak, do you need to be heartbroken to be a good country music writer? I I think so. I think if you haven't had a broken heart, it might be a little bit difficult to write a real genuine uh, breakup song. And I was saying a country song as well. It's a particular genre in its own right. I, I don't think I've ever listened to a country album that doesn't talk about heartbreak. You know, and it's but it's one of those universal feelings that we've all been through, and I think that's why a lot of so many people relate to country music because it is so out there, it's so honest. Every time you listen to a song, you can say, "Okay, I felt that." And if you know you're on, you moved on from that place, you have another song that you can relate to for another place in your life. So I, I just think it's a great genre in that sense. You've given a little snippet of a new song of yours on your website. Can I play that to the folks now? Absolutely. It's called Best in Me. Uh, the best in me, you know, it's it's just about when you meet someone and they bring out the absolute best in you. It's one of those unexpected, you know, times in your life when someone just comes along and, and you, you're like, wow, where did you come from? And all of a sudden you're feeling better than you've ever felt and it's, it's out of nowhere. So uh, we just try to get, capture that, that simple feeling of meeting someone new in a song. So, and this is going to be off my next album. So this is brand new. Well, let's play it first here in Australia. This is Best in Me. And we'll be straight back with Katie Quick. It's called The Best in Me. Katie Quick still joins us from Chicago this evening. You like your string quartets, don't you? I do. I have a thing for strings. <laughs> 
if I could say that. <laughs> you can say it, and we're talking about the musical instrument strings here, not a, a fashion item of any sort. Let's let's not. <laughs> You're one of the the new genres of performers who have gone stuff the record companies. You know, you still need publishers and stuff, but let's get the music out there. Absolutely. Well, I mean, at first you have no choice but to do it by yourself. And the way that the record companies are working now is, you know, you have to do all of the work. You have to develop your fan base. You have to get your records out there. And you have to get on the road and tour in order for someone to pick you up now because the record companies now don't have the money to invest in you as a brand-new artist with no experience and no background. So you need to do that on your own. And, in fact, I mean, I think it's better that way because you really develop yourself as an artist. You develop really loyal fans. And I just think that it shows, you know, a lot of good, uh, you know, character for yourself as an artist and, and as a hard worker. Because if you do all this, you must really want it, you know. And it's it's just the industry is changing. But it's the way to go. I mean, I've had to get out there on the road myself. I've had to fund my albums. There's just so much more of me invested in it so that I'm not going to just pick up and walk away. And, you know, I've had to work for every fan that I've gotten. I try to talk to everybody through social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter, things like that and uh, really just get on a one-to-one level with everyone. And it's worked out, I feel, to my benefit. And love to stay independent as long as possible until you, know, until you have some leverage to kind of say to the record companies down the road, this is what I want. Otherwise, you know, they're going to say, put your music in this style, dress this way, do this, do that. You know, but you really want to maintain that sense of individuality. So it's all working out for the best, and, and I'm staying positive about it. And based upon that, you've ended up playing in front of, uh, may- maybe because of the nature of sport and everything else, but you've ended up playing in front of 30,000 people, no less. I have. It's, you know, and it's all about networking. It's all about people you meet. And I've had probably millions of dollars of free PR just through networking, you know, to just be consistent with emailing the newspapers, emailing, you know, the news stations and saying, hey, you know, just taking a chance. Can I come on your show? And a lot of people are afraid to hear the word no. I'm not afraid to hear the word no. I've called the head of the Chicago White Sox baseball team and I said, do you need someone to sing the national anthem? And when they told me no about 10 times, I called one more time. And that time they said, you know what, it's time. You can come sing. And, you know, right there I had a built-in audience of, you know, thirty-five to 40,000 people. It's just about being consistent and being persistent. Be the Change, which was the name of a song, but also part of the uh, social justice camp, the alternative spring break, they call it in Chicago, as part of the university program there. Still got a strong vibe for social justice because you've seemed to have toured a couple of countries around the world that uh, need helping with their social justice. Absolutely. I mean, the first time I heard that quote by Gandhi was in, was in college when I was doing the alternative spring break program. And I really just, I, I found out, wow, you, you can do so much and learn so much about yourself by helping others. And it just fulfilled a part of me that I never knew existed until I went out there and did it. And that's why I went and, and uh, taught in the inner city schools, because I thought, okay, if I have the ability to make a little bit of difference in somebody else's life, then I'm going to do it. Because a lot of people are, are afraid to teach in areas like that, and rightfully so, because they're not you know, usually the most pleasant environments. But uh, when I left teaching, I actually felt a little bit of guilt, you know, okay, what am I doing for other people? Why am I out here doing my music? And so I've had to find things that I can do, people that I can work with, and ways to help other people through my music. And that's, you know, ultimately my long-term goal is to get to a place where I can help people that I want to help in the demographics that I want to help. It's your absolute passion for radio. Do you agree when we make the statement here on radio that it is still the most intimate format uh, to get your message across? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the best format to get your message across. And the problem with independent artists a lot of time is that the radio stations here in the States will not put you on air unless you have 
the record companies behind you. And that's been a really tough thing for, for indie artists to get themselves out there. So, you know, for you guys to have me on, I mean, I absolutely appreciate it. Anytime you can get any airtime anywhere in the world is a huge blessing because you, you are able to get your words and your message out there to people that you normally would not be able to. Thank you, guys. <laughs> we do need to leave it, which is a bit of a shame. I'd like to direct people to katiequick.com, being your website. Chicago Nights is the new single, though. We played a hint of the second album. Now, we say that's going to be released when? In a few months from now? I'm hoping May or June. It's still, you know, it's still in the works. Again, being independent, you kind of have to do your albums in chunks when you don't have all the funding. So right now I'm working on song by song, and I'm hoping to have it together by hopefully June at the latest. Do you want to talk about Chicago Nights for us? Well, I moved to Nashville from Chicago in March this past year. And once summer hit here in the States, I noticed I'm in Nashville, and it was about 95 degrees, sweltering heat, just like it was in Chicago. But there was something missing. There was a magic missing about the summer that we have here in Chicago. And I don't know, if John, if you've ever been to Chicago, but anyone that has knows that as brutal as the winters are, the summers are absolutely incredible. And there's just something so special about them. And especially growing up here, I had so many memories. And, and it was my first time really on my own. And I'm sitting there at a piano in the middle of summer by myself in Nashville thinking, oh, my gosh, I miss everything about home right now. And sometimes that's all it takes, a little bit of heartache, a little bit of missing mm-hmm. someone or some place to write a good song. And I wrote this song mostly for myself, not thinking – it would reach as many people as it did. But when I did my YouTube song of the week, I debuted that song. And people in Chicago and elsewhere that had ever traveled to Chicago were just going crazy for it. And, you know, it it ended up reaching so many people. So I said, okay, well, I need to record this song, and I need to record it as fast as possible. And so I decided, you know, I needed something new out, and and Chicago Summer Nights was it. Well, let's hear it right now. Ken, we thank you greatly uh, this evening, this morning, your time. Katie Quick, we know it's the winter holiday season there. Thank you for taking the time out and joining us down under this evening. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much, John. I really appreciate talking with you guys. It's our pleasure. Katie Quick, Chicago Summer Nights, here on Radio Notes. Katie Quick can be found online at katiequick.com. Instagram, I am Katie Quick. And that's a chat back from 2011 on the back of the release Valley Between Love, which is available through your favourite streaming services. And of course, you can buy it as well. And there are some physical CD copies around the place. I'm sure if you can still get them, but if you can, do get your hands on it. It's a nice digipack. Coming up next time, Sam Buckingham will join us for a catch-up chat. Dear John is her latest record, and we have a chat about it, as well as the touring experience, because tours are back. People are touring live. They're doing music in front of people. We have a chat with Sam Buckingham regarding that. That's next time here on Radio Notes.